Welcome to the Resonate Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Pastor Jacob. All right, open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 16 to 18. I lied to you because a couple of weeks ago I said I was going to preach a message called The Power of the Pack the next time I preach. But um, this verse has just been bugging me, like in a good way. Like I just can't put it down. And so the more I prayed about it, the more I thought about it. As I'm starting writing my other sermon, this this verse just kept like hitting me. And I, I just, it was so strong that I had to preach on it today. If I didn't preach on it today, I don't think I could have preached. So 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 16 to 18. It should be up on screen. Here we go. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstance. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pretty simple, isn't it? Pretty powerful and quite profound. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus, we all always have moments in our lives where we go, well, what's God's will for my life? <laughs> it's laid out right here. Rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. There's a story about a senior missionary. You know, like in um, any mission field, any business, there's like the boss and then he's got some offsiders, some juniors, some apprentices and there's a story about this senior missionary and, um, and his junior offsider who got assigned to him by, uh, by the Bible college. And uh, the offsider was like, you know, the people that are just new and really energetic, maybe even a tad annoying, but really energetic and loud. And one thing that they noticed about this offsider was he was always giving thanks and he's always saying this catchphrase, this is good. This is good. This is good. The offsider always said kind things. He was quick to edify and encourage others. And so the senior missionary would wake up in the morning, usually in a tent somewhere at a base camp for, you know, a place where they'd go out to the various tribes and share the gospel. And his offsider was already awake because he's energetic with a coffee in one hand. And he'd always run to the senior missionary and say to him, this is a good day. We're alive. It's a good day. It's really good. This is good. And the senior missionary would be like, oh, yeah. And it was okay, even though it was kind of always the same. It was energetic, but it was like, well, this is a positive thing, so I can't really be annoyed about it. The missionary ate breakfast and the offside would go, oh, what a great feed. This is good. This is great food. It's really good. This is good. You know, by the time the missionary had gotten showered and dressed for the day, his offsider would say to him, you look great. This is good. We're going to have a great day. This is good. When other people would come to the senior missionary and complain because maybe their bed was uncomfortable, maybe their tent was leaking, this offsider would listen to that conversation and go, no, 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 no. We're out here. We're serving God. You know, people are going to hear about Jesus. This is good. This is really good. He had this attitude, this perspective that regardless of the circumstances, he'd assure everyone that this is good. So as they went out on mission to the village after village, handing out Bibles, handing out um, tracts, telling people about Jesus, you can imagine the offsiders thinking this is good. And at the end of the day, as they're talking about, you know, what, what happened for the day, all the offsider would need to say was this is good. So one day the senior 
um, missionaries back at base camp and he's chopping some kindling for the fire with a tomahawk. And um, he missed or he slipped and he cut off his right thumb. The missionary was screaming, not swearing like some of you ungodly folk, but screaming, ah, far out, (laughs) shivers, goodness gracious. You can imagine it. And there was blood everywhere. Some people were fainting because there's just blood and they don't like blood. I just spat on you, sorry, Penny. <laughs> and so, like, whenever something like that happens, there's a crowd and it just draws the attention of everyone. Number one, there's a guy screaming, oh, what's going on? And everyone's standing around and some are fainting, some are, oh, and then some are actually helping and the camp doctors come in and he's put a bandage on it. And then all of a sudden there's this awkward silence. Just wait for it. And everyone looks at this offsider. And the offsider said, This is good. This is really good. And in great anger, the missionary didn't want to hear that one more time. In that moment, when he's in excruciating pain, he didn't want to hear, This is good. This is really good. So as any good leader, he sent the offsider packing. He needed some experience in a different missionary camp. He didn't want to hear this is good, this is really good when he just lost his thumb. Anyway, a few weeks later, this missionary is on mission once again. He's now got eight fingers and one thumb. But the thing is, when you're a missionary, What do you do? You do mission. So it wasn't going to stop him. And so he's off and he no longer has this offsider and he's out in the tribes preaching the gospel and he got so busy on mission, he got lost and he went deeper and deeper into dangerous area of the tribal jungle. He set up camp for the night, not knowing his way back to base camp. And the next morning, the missionary crawled out of his tent and realised in daylight that he was in the middle of the area where cannibals lived. The missionary knew he was in a fair bit of trouble when the flesh-eating humans gathered around him, captured him, took him to their camp and got the boiling water started. One of the cannibals grabbed him by the hand and then noticed his thumb was cut off. The cannibal started screaming. He actually swore because he wasn't holy like the missionary. I'm guessing. And see, this tribe was very, very superstitious. And they believed that a man with a thumb cut off was bad magic. And so they didn't want anything to do with this missionary. So they kicked him out and sent him on his way. The missionary ran and ran and ran as fast as he can because he couldn't catch him because he was a gingerbread man. He ran and ran as fast as he could and eventually he returned to the safety of his camp. Reflecting that night, the missionary remembered the words of his offside of the moment his thumb was cut off. This is good. It was really good. The missionary now understood something that at the time seemed impossible to comprehend. This is good. It was really good. Losing his thumb may have hurt in that moment. It might have inconvenienced him regularly, but it saved his life. And the words of the offsider rang true. This is good. Do you know, it's easy to get caught up on the problems of our life that we face today and forget that every moment of every day 
is actually a building block for a greater picture of what God is building for us, in us, through us and around us. My prayer is that we are or become people who, through what seems both blessed times and less times, that we can look past the current moment and actually and truly say this is good. In this letter, that this passage that I read to start today comes from, Paul has already reminded us previously in this chapter that Jesus is going to return at any time and it's our job to be ready for him. And so we need to live our lives with a sense of awareness. Now, if you know me well enough, I'm not an end times preacher. You know, and and I always say that there's always one crazy end times preacher in your church and if you can't identify who it is, it's probably you. But the truth is we need to live ready. We need to live prepared. We need to live in a place that isn't simply focused on now and in the moment that we stand, but with a, a framework or a view of the future. Our walk with Jesus should be more than just coming to church some Sundays or each Sunday. We're actually called to live at our faith day by day, minute and minute, glorifying God. We need to live with an awareness that Jesus is coming again. He is in our lives now. And so Paul, at the end of this letter, he gives us some headline thoughts that can help us live that way. Let me ask you this question. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. When you're dealing with tough times, what are you focusing on? When you're dealing with tough times, what are you focusing on? And secondly, when you're in a season of prosperity, in the good times, What are you focusing on? Because the truth is the focus should remain the same. Today I want to share some things for us to focus on as we live our lives. And focus is important because the truth is when we focus on one thing, often we will drop everything else. And the truth is if we're so focused on our financial situation, then all of a sudden other things will will drop, like generosity. I'll give you an example. Daryl, stand up. I want you simply to focus on the football. Catch the football. Focus on the football. Exactly. So when Daryl focused on the football, the other things that were less important in that moment dropped away. And I want to speak, that's all, you can sit down. And I want to encourage us that as we focus our lives purely on Jesus, the most important thing, all those smaller things that we'd previously focused on will drop away. Do you know, I, you know people often talk about you know, um, spiritual warfare and the devil. I guarantee you that if you just focus on Jesus and what he has for you, that the devil will fall away. That the temptations that he's facing you with will drop away. That the things that you need to overcome will drop away as you focus on Jesus. So from this passage, the first part says rejoice always. So the first thing we can focus on is joy. So the church at the time of writing this letter and this passage of Scripture, they were facing a ton of persecution. For them, just simply doing life was hard. It would have been easy to be depressed about life in general. We've all been through periods in our life where it's just 
how are you going? Well, it's just hard. It's just hard right now. Doing life is hard. It would have been easy for these people to think that God had abandoned them because of what they were facing. And Paul encourages them and he encourages us to rejoice always. Not sometimes, always. The original text of that passage indicates that it's a continuous action. It's not just an event. It's not just a moment. It's living life with a focus or an orientation towards joy. The natural consequences of having received God's salvation in our lives should bring us an orientation or a focus on joy. Can I tell you something about joy? She lives it. No, I mean, joy is not governed by circumstances. You know, I put that joke in. I thought, that's silly. Take it out, Jacob. And then I still said it. <laughs> Do you know, joy is not governed by circumstances. It's not. Joy is, does not come from an outward environment. Joy does not come from an experience. Joy is something that comes from inside us because of our spiritual health and reliance in Christ. Joy comes from the assurance that we have Christ in us, that He's saved us, that He's taken us who are undeserving and given us a new orientation, a new life, a new chance, a destiny. Happiness can come from a moment, but joy comes from an inner work of God. When things get rough and when things get tough, we need to focus on the joy we have in Christ. First Peter, next slide, yeah. First Peter 4 verse 3 says, But to the degree that you share the suffering of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exultation. Live in joy. Church, as we focus on joy, see what will drop away. As we focus on joy, what can we drop? We can drop despair. We can drop misery. We can drop worry. We can drop anxiety. We can drop hurt. So many things can fall away that are unimportant as we focus on joy in our lives. Verse 17 of that passage then goes on to say, pray continually. So the second focus for all of us is to focus on prayer. You know, we can get caught up on this verse and go, well, that's impossible. I've got kids to feed. I've got jobs to do. I've got so much going on. How can I pray continually? Truth is, joyful people should be, would be, will be prayerful people. If we get our joy from Christ, then there's a connectedness with Christ that will come and we will pray. When we are struggling and facing difficult situations, what do we do? What's the first thing we do? I hope that we pray. See, prayer is often the means by which obstacles are removed which stand in the way of our joy. And when we pray, sometimes prayer moves the hand of God, but usually it changes our perspective, aligns us to the heart of God. And then all of a sudden as our focus is back on being joyful in Christ, then those obstacles are no longer obstacles and we once again have joy. You know, to pray without ceasing means that our focus, our spirit, our soul, our mind should be constantly elevated in the heavenlies. 
and the things of God's. So God's desire for prayer is to be constant in our lives non-stop. It doesn't mean we pull aside and stop everything else that we do, get on our knees and pray. We can and should do that. But it means just having moments in every hour, every day that we're talking to our God. Can I encourage you, be that crazy person that's walking down the street and everyone else thinks is talking to themselves because you're having a moment with God as you're walking your dog. Do you know, Kezia hates going to the supermarket with me because at any moment of any day in the supermarket, usually when I've got a trolley, I don't know, the trolley just brings out a spirit of boldness in me. I don't know, I don't know what it is. But all of a sudden I start praying and I'll just like, yeah, God, thank you for this, this, this place. And then like people are like, he's talking to himself. And then sometimes I start singing out loud in the middle of the shops. And Kezia's just like, just don't do that. I'll give you permission to be that crazy person if it gets you praying more. Just don't pray, just not too loud. Like, come on, don't wear a resonate hat when you're doing... If we have a true life of surrender to God, we're going to want to be in constant communication with him. If we think about connection, in the modern world when we think about connection, we think about internet, right? And who remembers the old days of dial-up internet? Well, Lumla folk probably still have that. Um, But if I was to ask you, and see, the thing about dial-up internet is is you had to actually make a decision to go and press it and turn it on, all those noises, and then you couldn't use your phone line. It was like you're on and now you're on and that's it, right? ADSL works a little bit different. It's always on. And while it's also always on, you can still use your phone to do other things. So if I was to ask us, what's our prayer life like in terms of internet? You dial up internet where you've got to actually press in to connect with God and then you can't do anything else. Or is it more like ADSL where you can pray and do other things? The truth is we need more downloads and uploads in our relationship, in our prayer life than what dial up can give us. I was going to use MBN in there, but MBN's kind of like what you hope will happen what you call out to be in your life. Yeah, I pray all the time like NBN, but it never happens. Shot at the government. I'm on fire. Pray continually. When we focus on prayer, what falls away? Think about it. That illustration, when we focus on one thing, what other things fall away? Bad thoughts usually fall away. Selfish ambitions usually fall away. Evil scheming in our minds fall away. Maybe those things only happen in my mind, but maybe they also happen in yours. But as we pray continually, those things that would otherwise be a focus of our mind just seem to fall away. Rejoice always, pray continually. And verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So focus on thanksgiving or focus on giving thanks. Now how many of us are thankful when bad things happen in our life? It's hard, isn't it? It's almost a crazy thought. Like when the guy got his thumb chopped off 
There's the awkward silence and old mate goes, this is good. It's like if that was me, I would have taken my good hand and I would have punched him as hard as I could in the solar plexus. And I would have said, that's good, isn't it? But listen, constant joy with constant prayer will develop an attitude of constant thanksgiving. Philippians 4 Verses 6 to 7 says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us in everything, in everything, in everything we have to give thanks. No exceptions, no excuses, no ifs, buts or maybes. You know, thank you God. On Thursday for this rain, even though I had two days off work and I needed to get the eaves done in my house, it is good. You know, thank you, God, for this sore back. I won't overwork now and I'll spend the afternoon resting and hanging out with my family. It is good. Thank you, God, for high electricity bills and two regos due at the same moment. Another opportunity to trust you in my finances. It is good. Thank you, God, for the temptations and addictions. It's an opportunity for me to partner with you to overcome. Thank you, God. It is good. It is good. It is good. With a focus on joy, a focus on prayer, we can get to a disposition of thankfulness so that in every situation we're able to say it is good. Good. You know what? It's not dissimilar to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, in the roughest, hardest moment of his life, when his his packs fallen asleep when they should be praying for him, where he's anxious when he's literally sweating blood, and he's saying, "Father, if there's another way, like if if you could just quickly have a brother who could do this instead of me, like get another son, then I can." not have to go through this. He says, he says, but if there's no other way, then not my will, but your will be done. He's saying, even though I don't necessarily enjoy what's about to happen, even though I'm not stoked to get Roman soldiers nail me to a cross, it is good. It is good because the moment's not great, but every single person can now receive salvation. I'll be honest, sometimes we have to look and pray really hard to find the reasons to be thankful. But we are called to be thankful. And if we focus on being thankful, it will help us to drop the pity party. Romans 8 verse 28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. You know, that verse alone should give us an attitude of thanksgiving. Can you think of times where a situation seemed bad, but when you look back it was a blessing? I'll give you an example in my life. One of my best mates, one of the guys who who led me to the Lord, one of the guys who discipled me in the faith, he, he let me down in a way that, was really devastating. And at that time, the truth is, while he discipled me well, I had way too greater expectation on him as a person 
And also my view of God also was built through him as a person. And so through the pain and the the fractured relationship for a time being, I was able to actually understand God in a whole new way. I was able to learn what it means not just to talk about forgiveness, but to actually act through forgiveness. And can I say that the things that you're going through right now, which are painful and which hurt, they're just another opportunity for God to do something in your life and to bring glory to His name. So through that, say, it is good. This is good. Most people in society spend too much time complaining about what they do not have instead of being thankful for what they have been blessed with. You know, I get told more in this church, in the last church and the previous church, so it's not, I get told more often and most pastors get told more often what's wrong in the church than what is going right. You know, why can't we just be thankful for our families? No one ever said they had to be perfect. Why can't we just be thankful for our husbands and wives? There's nowhere in the Bible that says you're you're owed a perfect partner. Why can't we be thankful for the communities we live in, for our friends, for our acquaintances, for our financial position, for our work, for our in-laws even, for our pastors, for our leaders, for our government? See, most of all those things are 80 to 90% good but we spend too much time focusing on the 10% we don't like rather than being thankful for the 80 or 90% that's fantastic. Be thankful. Learn to say this is good. Learn to focus on the 80 or 90% that's great in your husband or wife. And as you focus on that, what's going to fall away? The 10%. When the early church met, one of its main purposes was to give thanks to God. Colossians 4 verse 2 says, devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude, with an attitude of thanksgiving. That challenged me this week, you know. The truth is a lot of my prayer isn't always about thanksgiving. It's about fix this, God. Do that, God. Come on, God. Let's have an attitude of thanksgiving. You know, if Jesus came back today, would he find us with a tongue of thanksgiving? or a culture of criticism. If we're struggling in areas in our life right now, maybe it's time we refocus to the right place. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When Paul, what Paul wrote here, it's more than just three Easy memory verses. If if you study Paul in the Old Testament, he's an intense guy, right? It's kind of like me before the like ministry training just um, knuckled out some of those kinks, <laughs> some. And Paul's telling us three things that he actually expects Christians to do on a continual basis. And it isn't that Christians just occasionally need to rejoice or be part-time prayers, is that a word, or give thanks under some circumstances. Paul's saying that all these things, these three things, do always, 
do continually and in all circumstances. And that's a challenge for us. So I've just written them down and there's some dot points that I'm going to read out. And I pray that you go home this week and write those three things down. Rejoice, pray and give thanks. And write a list of things that you can rejoice about this week. Write a list of things you can continually pray for this week and write a list of things that you can give thanks for this week. And we're going to have them up on here so that you can just have an example. Rejoice that God has created you. It sounds simple, but it's actually really profound. Rejoice that God has saved you. Rejoice that God sent Jesus for you, not just for the whole world, but for you. Rejoice that God loves you unconditionally. Rejoice that God has supported you through His church, His people, that He's placed people around you who can encourage you. Rejoice for the people God has put in your life. What else could you write down that you could rejoice for? The next one is is pray continually. If we're going to be people who pray like ADSL, pray each day for guidance in your decisions. Pray for this church and other churches to grow and reach more people. Pray that God will keep working on your own heart. Pray for greater wisdom. Pray for greater boldness. Pray for the words to say to those who need God. What else can you add to your list that you can continually pray about? And give thanks for whatever circumstance your life is currently in, whether it seems good or whether it seems bad, because we know that all things work together for good. Give thanks for the way God has sustained you up to this point in your life. Give thanks that God will continue to sustain your life. Give thanks to God for family and friends. Give thanks to God for whatever blessings you have. Every one of them, every one of them came from God. Give thanks for God's patience in your life and mercy in your life and grace in your life. And there's so much more that each of us can add to our lists. This is good. Do we say that in every situation? We can build, Kez, can you come to play a song? We can build our faith to a place where no matter what, we can actually say this is good. You know, and you might be sitting right there and going, you know what, that, this is, sounds fantastic, but it's hard to live out. I'm not saying we could get there this afternoon, but by always rejoicing, by praying continually, and by giving thanks, we can get to a place that regardless of what life throws at us, both good and bad, that we can say this is good. Let's be people who rejoice always. Let's be people who pray continually. Let's be people who give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Podcast. Jesus, my love, my